You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News, and today is a fun episode with a special guest, Fort Wayne Matt Ant's head coach, former Pacers assistant coach on the development side, Tom Hankins. Join me for a very long conversation about the Matt Ants, this bubble season, his time coaching Cassius Stanley, Amita Brima, his time using Nate Bjorkren's system, his experiences with Goga. We covered a ton of ground. We had a lot to talk to. He's been in the Pacers organization for two years, so he has a ton of good insight and thoughts about this team this season and his experiences with some of the players on the roster it's a great conversation you guys will love it you can hop right into it in a second i just got to warn you we recorded it over uh, a phone slash skype interview the auto quality isn't exactly awesome i made it as good as i possibly could my apologies for that but i hope you guys enjoy hearing from tom hankins fort wayne madden's head coach and former pacers assistant coach in the player development field so here we go let's just jump right in all right, for, first year for you is the hel- at the helm of the Mad Ants, and you're in a bubble. You know, you're down in a bubble, can't leave the bubble. What was that like for you and the team, and how much did it change the way you coached that Mad Ants team? Um, the, bu- the bubble experience was really good. I mean, the, the NBA had an uh, experience with it already, with obviously, with the, with the NBA bubble, and they just made the, did the exact same thing on a smaller scale. Uh, you know, with with 18 teams, um, and, and they, they they treated us really well. The food was great. The um, accommodations were, were good. And of course, the, probably the best thing about it is is the weather at the time that time of year. You know, in Indianapolis, it's freezing cold and rainy and snowy, and you had a winter, and and we were in the middle of 75 degree weather every day. So that was phenomenal. Um. And then, but then, as far as coaching is concerned, it was it was kind of learn on the fly a, a bit it's because we had ten days of training camp and then we went straight to, to playing games and 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 you really didn't have any time to practice. Uh, once you once you started playing fifteen games, well, I don't think we had two days in between games one time. I think we had five back to backs in those fifteen games. No, so so just just you know it, it takes time to learn your roster. And we ended up it with 13 players. You know, you would just have 10 players on your roster. Well, we had three. We had, then we had our two-way guys and, and, and Jalen McHugh, an assignment guy. So we had 13 players, which is probably too many, but that's better than not having enough. Uh, so it, it just took a while to kind of get settled in with – and we never really got settled in with rotations. And, and uh, so it, 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 was, it was really learning on the fly how to manage uh, guys. And, and there, you know, some mistakes were made. And – learned a lot and I just thought it was a phenomenal experience for a uh, uh, first year professional coach just to kind of learn the professional game yeah I was going to ask you about the injuries and learning your rotation later on but you just brought it up so Amita's not down there with you guys when you start and Cassius gets hurt and you're forced to change your lineup a few times along the way for some other various injuries and you're as a first year coach how much does that really change the way you have to operate like Nate Bjorkren always would talk about how the G League helped prep him for the NBA because he always had guys in and out because they were going to a different team or transferring to a different pro team or there's an injury. How, and you learned that 
really on the job in year one. So how much how much did that add difficulty to what you were trying to do? Uh, it, it was it, the hardest part was um, having well, we had twelve guys to start, but three of those guys were like I said, the two way guys, and then Jalen McHugh, who were a big reason we were there. Those were those were guys that we really wanted to emphasize in their development. So so they were going to play a lot of minutes, and then. Um, because the G League was uh, condensed, our every roster was a lot better. It's just so much better. So everybody, all, every player on our team was used, to, except for one or two, they were used to playing a lot of minutes in G League games, and then their minutes were going to be condensed. Uh, so it, 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 they weren't really ready for it. <laughs> so I had some issues. Just kind of had to have a lot of meetings with one-on-one meetings with players, saying, "Hey, this is." You know, it's just, this is how it is. Your role's probably going to be a little bit less than what it's used to, what you're used to, or what you're wanting. Um, and that, that took a few games to get there, but it, it had to be done just because that was the nature of the situation. You know, and then you throw in uh, Amita after five games, he shows up on the scene, and you know, he he he, uh, I think he led the league in blocks two years ago before he got hurt. And so then you throw him in the mix, and then that that, that kind of it's just it was it was a lot like uh, what Nate had to deal with all this year with all his injuries and, and with the Pacers. You just you just constantly you're from game to game. You're redoing your rotation. You're redoing your starting lineup, um, and then you're you're constantly having to communicate with guys. Hey, here's how it may be tonight. You know, so just just kind of get everybody mentally prepared for each game. So you said you liked the weather. But I'm imagining, you know, you're stuck in a bubble. There's only so much you can do. That it was a pretty close knit environment for a team. How much did that environment help you guys kind of grow together and impact the way you were able to play on the floor? Uh, I think I think it helped quite a bit. I mean, it was, well, I should say I don't think it I, I I don't think it really did help because the the the, the issue was those guys because of COVID they each had their own room and they, you, you could not go into another guy's room. So the only time we could really get together is we had a team room um, that we would get together and watch video or have a team meeting and and then. Um, you know, and then we're on the bus with each everybody going to lock to the to the games together. So there was there wasn't a whole lot of social interaction. I mean, there would, would you could sit at a table and, and at, at one of the meals with uh, no more than three people per table. Um, so there, was, they, there just didn't get to be a whole lot of interaction between those guys. And not to mention that our team room there was a constant uh, sixty five degrees. <laughs> For some reason, it was freezing in there, so we couldn't. We couldn't last more than ten minutes in there, in a meeting setting. So uh, it, that was that was the difficult part. Just kind of you know, all these guys coming from different teams, and different backgrounds, and trying to get them uh, together, get to know each other, get to trust each other. It was it, it was not easy. So the outside weather was really warm, and the inside weather was absolutely freezing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So you guys ran a pretty similar system in games to the one that Nate Bjorkren uses in the NBA. I know you have some history with him, but was that a directive from the Pacers' side to you to try to run the same system that that team does, or is that the way you would have coached them anyway? And did you like the way that that system worked for the team that you had? Um, offensively, we, we we were very similar, and we we tried to start the year defensively the way he the way he wanted he his his uh, system. But um, and and I, I talked with Nate and with 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 Kevin and and Chad and and um, they they. Wanted me to, to wanted us to do the same thing that they did, 
you know, and so the young guys could kind of learn that system. Um, and I liked it. I mean, that was, Nate was great to me. He, he allowed me to be from training camp, from before training camp on, I was with the Pacers. You know, I was in, I was in practice every day. I was in meetings and, uh, video with the team and you know, throughout the whole year. And, and I didn't travel on the road, but I was behind the bench at home games and then pregame meetings. I was in the locker room. And, um, so I, it was great for me to learn how he wanted to do things and, and, and then put it in. And offensively, um, I thought it was really good. Uh, defensively, once we got Amita, especially, um, we, we couldn't, we couldn't pressure out and defend that way. And then the other, the, the, diff, the big difference between the two leagues are, uh, there's always someone who, always a non-shooter on the floor, almost always in the G League. And sometimes two or three non-shooters that you don't need to defend out on the floor. So we, we started, we went from 16th, I think after five games we were 16th out of 18 defensively. We ended up third. A lot of it was, a lot of it had to do with, the majority had to do with the media, uh, showing up and, and being a, a rim, giving us rim protection. He actually blocked, I think, two or three late game shots to help us win games. Um, but then with the adjustment of not pressuring everybody and, and backing off and not shooters helped quite a bit too. So that system, the really aggressive defensive system, we've seen it work in Toronto in the NBA, but not so much for the Pacers. And we'll get back to the Madness in a second. But you did say, you know, your involvement with it was what it was. What kind of roster do you feel like it, it needs to have for it to work? Or what could it be tweaked ever so slightly to help a team like the Pacers that kind of struggled with it at times this season? Um, yeah, I think just game to game, um, tweaking, you know, part, based on a little bit more on personnel, you know. Um, I also think that they, they, the Pacers, more importantly, I think they they suffered from the same thing. There were no practices this year. You know, when the NBA season was crazy, and, and so the, the ability to go from training camp, you know, new coach and a new system with a bunch of new guys, you, you put that training camp in. I think what, what they had ten or ten or twelve, fourteen maybe practices. And you jump into your first game, and and I don't know that I think they had maybe a handful of two days in between games where they could get a couple of practices and 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 begin. And so it's just it was difficult to make those adjustments. And then and then you throw in all the injuries. I mean, you, you guys have probably written about this and read about this and talked about it, but you know, you throw in all the injuries, and now you're you're trying to. It, it's really difficult to. to to make major adjustments when you have all that uh, turbulence going on. Hey guys, we're going to take one short little break here so I can tell you about the great folks over at Bilt Bar. If you listen to Lockdown Pacers before, you know what Bilt Bar is, but for those of you who haven't, Bilt Bar is making the best tasting protein bars ever. They have tons of delicious flavors. My favorite is the peanut butter brownie. You can get a variety pack though that has their nine most popular flavors. Coconut, coconut almond, cherry raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. And I know I said they're the best tasting protein bars ever, but I've tried them and I can assure you that they are. They're 100% covered in chocolate soft and easy to chew protein bars that again come in a bunch of flavors. The mix box is really good. You'll get two of each of those flavors I just described. And not only are they delicious, but they're healthy too, right? That's a big appeal of the protein bar. Most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein, but only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and only 
four grams of net carbs, so great for the health-conscious guy and a great way to indulge in a delicious treat while being healthy. So go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. You'll get 15% off your first order. That promo code is LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Absolutely. That makes sense to me. And, you know, you, you can even tell that against some teams that worked so well and against other teams that didn't. That's where I feel like the personnel stuff was so obvious. Um, but, you know, like you said, it's really hard to change it when you don't have that time and it's not a playoff setting where you can really laser in on one team. You know, it's just game, travel, game, travel. Over and over, you can only do so much at that point. So you had all of the Pacers 2A guys on your team between Brian and Cassius and Amita. And I kind of want to go one by one. Through all of them, let's start with the rookie, the one that, you know, everybody who follows this team seems to have an affinity for. Cassius Stanley, super athletic, has some nice skills on the floor. What did you see from him skill-wise on your team, and how did he grow the most, do you feel like, in that bubble setting? Uh, I, I think that he grew the most um, just really learning how good the G League, G League basketball is. With with him not having, and it happened to a lot of all, all the rookies this year, no summer league training camp was uh, limited because of COVID and then the exhibition season was shorter. Um, he really never had, he didn't have very much experience at all and, and realizing how, you know, what, he had a bunch of times where he would get to the basket and get met at the rim and, and wouldn't, wouldn't be able to produce. And that was, I think that was eye opening, you know, and, I actually saw improvement on him, uh, more improvement from him after the bubble, after he had time to sit back and process. The, the, the bubble was so quick. You know, we talk about it in between games and watch video, but there's just not a lot of time to process a great young guy. Um, so he, he, he grew a lot after the bubble, but um, in the bubble defensively, he, he, he really struggled at first and showed some improvement there. Um, he, he, should, he probably improved the most uh, learning how to get open and how to play without the ball in his hands. I think that, you know, just being a one-year college guy, used to having the ball in his hands all the time in high school and AAU, um, he, he, he just didn't, didn't realize what it took to play off the ball. So I think that's probably his biggest area improvement. So let's go to Brian next. I know he didn't finish the season with the Pacers, but he had some nice flashes with you guys. Really unique player to have the level of on-ball skills he has at six foot eight. I think he's deceivingly tall. Like I'd see him pregame before Pacers games and be like, Brian Bowen's taller than Justin Holiday. Like, <laughs> you sure it's not the it's hair? It's very surprising. Sure. It, it probably is the hair if we're being completely honest. He's got pretty long limbs too. Right. What did you see from him and his growth in that year as well? Because it was his second year on a two-way with the Pacers and his second year of growing within the Maddens as well. Right. But Brian was, you know, he, I was with him all last year, all the previous years as, you know, the two-way coach with, with him and Naz and, uh, his first year in the G League, he, he he struggled, really struggled, the first fifteen to twenty games, and then and then the second half of the season before the COVID stoppage, was he was great, and I really thought he would continue that this year in the G League, and he, and he never got to that level. And again, the only thing I can attribute that to is again no summer league, no no playing for for six, six or seven months, um, and he just he really struggled shooting the ball for us uh, in the bubble. Um, but I always, I, he, he improved a lot defensively. Um, but offensively, he just he just didn't have nearly, have nearly the bubble that we thought he would. 
Last one's Amita, who came in as the, oh my gosh, we have no center signing for the Pacers this season. The, the best role for him to play, but he's got some amazing defensive chops, showed that with you guys in the bubble, has shown that throughout his career, really, right? I think he still has the blocks record at UConn, has some crazy block numbers for the Pacers, even in the preseason a few years ago. So he, you mentioned it earlier, he really changed your defense, but what did he bring to you guys, and did he show what you thought he would with the Pacers when they actually brought him in? Yeah, he... Uh... You know, the first thing about Amita is just the, just the energy, the positive presence that he brings. I mean, he's a he's a guy who never has a bad day, and just having that in the bubble with with a bunch of guys that didn't know each other helped a bunch. And then and then his shot blocking presence, and especially at the G League level, is is you know top shelf. I think he's I think he was second in blocks per thirty six minutes in the bubble. Um, but but. Be honest with you, he was—he was, he was still probably eighty percent, seventy-five to eighty percent on his knee when he was in the bubble. When he, when when that ended, he went home and uh, continued to train. And then when he when we picked him, when the Pacers picked him back up on the two-way, he came back. And he told me like I was I wasn't hundred percent in the bubble. And then he started we started working out, and he he got got into a couple of games and. Just in our workouts, I was like, "Wow, you're different. You're different than you were." And so he's even better than uh, than he showed to be in the bubble. But he was he was a great addition for us. Yeah, it's a injuries have just been horrible for him the last couple seasons. I was so hoping that he could help the Madheads last year, and you could really tell they needed that size last year uh, too. So you know, especially when the beat left the team for the second half, they were really lacking right. down low. I've gotten so far and not asked about him, and I am really proud of myself for making it 15 minutes. But you coached Oshay Brissett, who is w- one of the stories of the season, if not the story of the season, for the Pacers this year. They pick him up on a 10-day in April. It's nearly the end of the season. The playoff eligibility deadline for guys who were on other teams at some point this season is passed, right? So you're either getting a guy who was an outcast from another team or a guy who hasn't been on a team the whole season at this point. The Pacers bring in Brissett on a 10-day. And then he ends up starting 16 games and looks like one of the best players on the team down the stretch. Hits every three he took. Was an awesome defender. They put him on Ben Simmons. They put him on Giannis. You know the deal. You watch mm-hmm. the games. You were a coach of the team. Just a remarkable growth path. What was it like for you coaching him in the bubble and watching him blossom like that? And were you surprised at all to see him reach that level? Um, yeah, I was I was surprised. But, but first of all, I mean, Brian Levy, our general manager for the Mad Ants, was the one that deserves that credit for him because uh when when brian found out that he was available um for the draft he worked and and, and we ended up picking him we, we didn't have a pick until i think our first pick was at 16 it was in the second round and um i don't know what he did or how he did it but he he managed to 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 where O'Shea was going to still be available at 16, and he he was almost he was almost guaranteed going in that he did it. He was well, he was very confident going in. He was going to be available for us at 16. I saw him once last year. Uh, he didn't play the. I don't think he played in the game against 905. I was I was with the Mad Ants in uh, Mississauga last year, and he, I don't think he played. I think he played the night before for the Raptors, and uh, so I didn't know much about him. I, I was, before the season started, uh, the Madden seasons, I asked Nate and Tyler Marsh, uh, an assistant for the Pacers, I asked those guys about O'Shea, and they were both like, he's an NBA player. You know, and would, they both loved him. And, and 
but I didn't know much about him until we got him. And then uh, after about five days of training camp, I was just talking to my assistant, like, this guy's our best player, you know. And the bad part about that was I had the two-way guys and, and Jalen McHugh, and neither, none of those guys are point guards, so I needed, we needed to start a point guard. And so I had to, we brought O'Shea off the bench for the first couple of games. Um, I actually went to him before that and said, look, <laughs> you're our best player. You're going to put your hands You're probably going to come off the bench for a couple of games just to kind of let these guys get their feet wet and see what we're dealing with here and or working with. And he was great. He was awesome. He was great with it. And, uh, again, another guy who's just got an unbelievable attitude. And I, I think that, that really shows, uh, extremely versatile, um, Knew he was going to be good. I mean, he was obviously our best player in the bubble. Knew he was going to be good. Had no idea he was going to, he was this good as 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 good as he's been as shown playing for the Pacers. Why, why didn't he shoot threes like this for you guys in the bubble? Right? You know, he shot a bunch of them. He he took a he he took he took a lot of he doesn't take bad shots for the Pacers. He doesn't have to. I think he he forced he forced a few for us just trying to show that he that he could do it. And that's I mean I think he was at thirty. Six thirty-five percent for the for the ants, which is still not bad. But some of them we he took were pretty covered up, you know. And and uh, his role now is is uh, he's he's shooting mainly wide open catch and shoots, uh, but he's sure shooting them at a high clip. One more break here, so I can tell you about two more great groups of people before we finish up talking with Tom Hankins, Fort Wayne Madden's head coach. First up, the great folks over at BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way. To bet on all your sports action, now baseball is in full swing. Almost two months in, my Phillies still trying to get back to 500. And you can track all the action over at betonline.ag, plus all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA playoffs, NHL, and your UFC MMA action. Speaking of NBA playoffs, they have Brooklyn Nets versus Celtics on there for tonight. Celtics plus seven. I feel like the Nets are going to win by a lot more than seven. The Nets have looked a lot better this series. I know it's in Boston, but I just can't see the Nets not doing better than that. But don't take betting advice from me. I'm dumb. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news and sign-up bonuses they've got. Do not sit on the sidelines. Head over to that website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit if you use the code LOCKEDON, all one word, when you sign up. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And, of course, the great people over at rockauto.com because there are tons of of numbers of makes and models. It is now impossible to stock the parts that you will need at a traditional chain storefront for your car, and you'd have to deal with all the stupid questions and intimidating, annoying, oh, is your Odyssey an XL or an EX question crap that you get at those chain stores? And then they'll just order it for you in the store. Why deal with all that? You can just go to rockauto.com, a family business serving auto parts customers online for over two decades. They've got everything you'll need for your car or truck right there on their website from hundreds of manufacturers. Then they'll deliver it directly to your door. Their catalog, unique, remarkably easy easy to navigate. You can quickly see anything that you'll need. And best of all, the prices are always reliably low and the same for professionals to do it yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts when you could get them for cheaper at rockauto.com. Go check them out right now. See all the parts they have for you and write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box and know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Yeah, that was what stood out to me is after watching you guys. I was, you know, He started off really hot from three and he was, you know, obviously impressive earning the starting role, but I was like, oh, that'll crash down eventually. You know, he, you know, that, that'll be when it kind of changes for him. And it never did. He just kept making every three he took. So it was super remarkable to see him succeed so well in that role. And I, we mentioned the defense earlier and how that 
scheme is aggressive and involves, you know, going at the ball, making guys give it up and rotations, he's really good at that stuff, right? He was a really big help for the Pacers in that way as well. He plugged a hole for them that they didn't really have. So I was very impressed with him. And, of course, his work in the bubble was a big factor in how good he could be in knowing the system already. So credit to you there. What kind of level do you feel like he can reach going forward? I'm assuming he'll be back with the Pacers next year almost for sure. So what kind of level do you feel like he can reach in his future? Um, you know, whether he's a whether he's a starter or a bench guy, um, I mean, he'll. I, I, I think he can be, end up being a starter. Um, he's definitely going to play. He's definitely going to have a, a major role, whether it's whether it's starting or coming off the bench. You know, one of the interesting things about O'Shea is, to me, is you're you're right, you're exactly right. His defensive instincts are off the charts, um, and his his ability to his his help defense is. Uh, Angles that he takes on closeouts, taking away the next, whether it's take away the next pass, whether it's cutting off the passing lane or stunning to help, uh, you know, for on a swing swing or the next pass uh, or something that you, you don't teach. And the guy played nothing but zone for two years at Syracuse, you know. And so I'm, I mean, I'm the whole Pacer, the whole time he's with the Pacers, I'm, I'm watching all this action and going, how, where does he, where, where did you get this? How do you know? What? You know, because I've, I've seen other guys who played nothing but man for great man coaches in college that don't have the instincts that he has. And then, and then his knack to chase rebounds. And he's, he's good at blocking out. He's good at, but, but he has abilities to, uh, know where it's going to go when it's in the air. You know, where, what angle it's going to come off of and, and go chase it down. So all that stuff, uh, and then just the kind of unselfish, Teammate, unselfish player that he is. Um, I, I don't know if you remember the first game, the first actual game he really played for the Pacers. He came in, took a charge. Um, the bench kind of went crazy, and that, that's what's one thing he did for us in the bowl. He actually took a game-winning charge with you know the last possession of the game. We need to stop. He rotates over and takes a charge, which is another thing. It's it's hard to get guy, hard to teach guys to do that. So he, he just got a lot of extra stuff. His first NBA charge that you're referring to was against Carl Anthony Towns, I'm pretty sure, which is even yeah. honestly even more impressive. Exactly. You're throwing your body in front of the superstar right away. Yeah, I do remember the game-winning charge as well. Just what a remarkable story for him. And I was joking with him. I asked him because Nate likes to run a lot of zone, right? He likes to change it up and throw other coverages at other teams. I was like, hey, you played at Syracuse. You, you got this part down, right? And he's like, actually, some of my teammates joke with me that I should be all over this the second I check in the game because he played under Bayheim. so it's funny you brought that up. But it's just a remarkable story, and it's a credit to you guys down in Fort Wayne and, and the success of that kind of program and why teams put so much emphasis on the G League because you can find guys like O'Shea Bursette who become a starter for you down the stretch, and I just think that's phenomenal. I agree. That's, that that kind of made made made, it, made the bubble worth it, definitely, with the way, the way O'Shea's been able to come in and contribute. So for those that don't know this part about you, you were the development coach or a development coach for the Pacers the year before this one, 2019-20. Um, and I, I know you worked a lot with the two-way guys. You said that earlier, you know, involved with Matt Ince as well. But who, what guys did you work clo- the most closely with that season? Was it just the two-way guys? And do you have any great stories from that year beyond just the public tellings of coaching two-way guys? <laughs> uh, I don't know if I had any great stories. It, it, I, I loved it. It was a blast. It was, you know, it was my first year of professional basketball. And so... You know, the beauty for me was sitting, I was, I got to sit behind the bench of, I don't know, probably 50 NBA games and, and then behind the bench of another 25 G League games. Um, and just, and the same thing, be involved in pregame meetings and halftime 
uh, talks and meetings and, 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 and I was involved in practices, practice for both teams. Steve Gansey, the head coach of the Manats last year, was phenomenal to me um, in letting me get involved and including, including me um, as well with, with Nate McMillan and Dan Burke and those guys. Um, you know, I did work with Brian and Naz the most, uh, but I spent a lot of time with, I spent a lot of, both years, I guess, I spent a lot of time with Goga. Um, I spent a lot of time with Alizé Johnson last year. Um, uh, a little bit of time with Ed, Ed Sumner, not a bunch, but mainly those guys, um, traveled quite a bit. Um, you know, Alizé would bounce around from, from, from the Pacers to the Mad Ant, so I spent a lot of time traveling with him to different, different places. So, uh, you know, it, it was it was it was extremely uh, enjoyable, but but it was also uh, a huge learning experience. I loved it, absolutely loved it. Can't really think of a story though. That uh, I mean, so I was sat behind the bench when the when I was there with the Mad Ants when we were down thirty five in the third quarter. Uh, came back and won. I think I think that may have been nine oh five. That Wasn't did. that in the polar bear jerseys as well? Uh, I think probably so. I lost track of those crazy <laughs> uniforms. I mean, there were so many different ones. <laughs> you hung out with Goga that much, and you don't have any crazy Goga stories. <laughs> uh, I don't have any crazy ones. I mean, you know, he's he's uh, he's a he's a good he's a good kid, an emotional guy. That that uh, yeah, I mean, really just learning about his past and where he's from and you know he's growing up as a child playing playing professionally at 14 and all the places you know crazy stories where he tells me stories of how crazy his coaches were in europe you know that's that's something that is you know really different here uh but no i don't have any crazy gold stories maybe we'll have, we i think after we played cleveland yeah we played cleveland uh the Cavs one night and we were sticking around to play um, their G League team the next day, and we went. I mean, he's like, "Let's go to T- we go to Bruce Chris, and he buys dinner, and I bet he ordered every appetizer on the menu, <laughs> and ate all of them." <laughs> and ate all of them. So, that's about as crazy it gets for for us. I kind of wish I was seven feet tall just so I could eat that much whenever I wanted. <laughs> that would be nice. This is the only off script question for me, but I didn't I didn't know we'd get to Goga talk today. What have you seen from him in his first two years in the league, and where do you feel like he can grow the most into a a, a more substantial role in the NBA? He's uh, he's a lot better shooter than he's than he has shown. Difficult role when you're you know you don't know how many minutes you're going to play, so you're in for two minutes and out, you know, in back in for four minutes or three minutes. So catching a rhythm is not easy. He's a, he's a much better shooter than he is. Um, has he is. Crazy! He didn't shoot one corner three all year for, for the Pacers. Um, they were all above the break. Um, Got to give the strength and conditioning staff uh, for the Pacers a ton of credit, along with Goga, for just the way he's changed his body in the last year. I mean, they got since the difference now in, in like percent his weight, his percent body fat, his definition, his, his conditioning. Um, this year compared to last year is night and day, and it, it's you know majority of, the, of it goes to Goga just for the effort. It's a tremendous effort for him. He's on the elliptical. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many games he played. You know, five minutes or less, and he's 
no one tells him he's on the elliptical for half an hour, 45 minutes after every game, home game anyway, you know, trying to stay in shape and continue to lose, lose that weight and you know, flip that body percent. In fact, you know, uh, what is it? Yeah, get his body percent down. Um, so uh, I, he can really pass the ball. I don't think he gets, he shows that very. He hadn't had the opportunity just again because he doesn't he doesn't get any, he doesn't get a whole lot of twenty five minute nights, you know, where he has the the, the opportunities to do that. Um, he understands he's got to get better defensively. He understands that he has to slow down. And he just he just needs reps, and I think he's a everyday impact player in the NBA. So this was the last one I had written down for this. Gansey coached Summer League in 2018. Um, so I have to ask you as mm-hmm. the Madden's coach, do you know if you're going to have any involvement? Since Summer League is back, can't wait. Vegas is a blast for Summer League. Do you know if you're going to be involved with that team at all or head coaching that Summer League squad, or has that not been decided yet? It has not been decided yet. Uh, I would love to. Uh, you know, it would be a great opportunity again. I, I, I'd love to just be, a, if not the head coach, be involved in somehow, you know, um, and again, I just I, I I really love this level and and want to continue to learn and get better and and um, you know help the Pacers get better in any way. So, but to answer your question, it has not been decided. Or I haven't been told. And uh, but but I'd love the opportunity. All right. Well, Tom, thank you very much for the time. Enjoy the rest of your off season. And if you do end up coaching the summer league squad, you know I'll be watching every game. <laughs>